everybody. I'm Art Stevens, managing partner of the Stevens Group. Welcome to another in the podcast series of PR Masters. This series features luminaries and legends in the world of public relations. Our guest today is someone that we can all truly refer to as a legend. She is Patrice Tanaka, founder of the firm that became a role model for innovation, client service, and quality of life. Patrice's firm eventually became part of Padilla CRT, which is the largest employee-owned PR agency in the country. Currently, Patrice is the driving force behind Joyful Planet, a consultancy practice that she started to help bring more joy to her executive coaching clients. Patrice Tanaka is an author, a ballroom dancer, she'll talk about that in a little while, and recipient of countless industry awards. I'm pleased to say that Patrice and I have become good friends, and we're old, old-time friends as well. Patrice Tanaka, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us today, and welcome to the PR Masters Series. How are you today? Great. Thank you so much, Art. It's always a pleasure spending time with you. Uh, gosh, you're making me blush. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I've got a whole bunch of questions to ask you, and, I, and our listeners who all of whom I'm, I'm certain are aware of you and, and what your contributions have been, but you have had a most unique career in our industry, and you have become a beloved figure in our industry for what you have brought to all of us, including currently the practice of joy in our lives. So I'd like to start out by, you know, by uh, asking the following question. You, know, you are a legend, as I said, in our industry. And your philosophy of running an agency was far different from any other agency principle. How did it come about, Patrice? How did you get into the space that you eventually became very well known for? Well, I don't know about the legend part. It makes me sound really old and near to, <laughs> to dying. But I will address uh, what, in, what was uh, the formative uh, influences on me. First, I was born and raised in Hawaii. And growing up in Hawaii, I always felt a very strong sense of community. In fact, it was a too tight-knit of a, of a community uh, such that I wanted to run away and escape and be anonymous in a big city like New York, which is what eventually I did in my early 20s. But the irony of ironies is that as soon as I arrived in New York, my whole focus was about creating community because that's what was familiar to me. And so I wanted my workplace to be a community. I wanted, you know, uh, my apartment building to be a community. I wanted any group of people that I was involved with to have a sense of community. So it's only natural that when I had the opportunity to start my own agency, it was with a sense of creating a workplace community. So that's pretty much why I am all about community building and creating a community wherever I am. Again, it's, it's in large part because I want to feel comfortable and a member of whatever community, you know, I'm participating in. Well, I just wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the concept of community because, 
you know, we're all familiar with public relations firms. And, you know, as you're well aware, I used to head one myself. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we all had to deal with, those of us who ran public relations agencies, had to deal with uh, client service, in, employee uh, retention, uh, and then, you know, the concept of community. I think you really were a pioneer in the concept of community. And I, I just wonder if you would describe that in a little more depth. What did you actually do within your agency that got you so well-known and so famous that led to so many awards and so much recognition for you? Sure. Well, first you have to know that the my first agency, PTN Company, was founded when I led a group of employees, uh, colleagues, in a management buyback from Shiat Day, and this was in July of 1990. Now, you have to know that I never wanted to head my own PR agency. That was not on the the, the list of my dreams. The only reason that I led a group of colleagues in a management buyback was it was the only uh, thing, the only solution I could come up with to avoid having to terminate three dear colleagues when we lost our biggest account. Because I knew that if I told my boss at Chayate that we were losing our biggest client because they were doing uh, they were cutting expenses because their senior management thought there was going to be a recession, which did happen. So I didn't tell my boss at Shia Day um, that we were losing our big, biggest client because I wanted to come up with a solution before I told him this. And I also had a, a 90-day a termination clause with the client. But at the end of the day, the only solution I could come up with was that I might have to spin off our agency, set up as an independent agency where I was the CEO and I would be in charge of the hiring and firing, and I could elect not to fire those three employees. So that's what I did. I convinced 12 of my colleagues to follow me in a management buyback. We spun off and set up as uh, an employee-owned agency that was wholly owned by the 13 of us involved in the buyback because I figured, well, we all took a risk, so we should all have equity in this new venture. And uh, surprisingly, you know, I had, I didn't have one moment of doubt when we started the agency. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And that is because I had previously worked for one of the most difficult bosses, uh, in PR, in the PR agency world. And I saw what she did. And every time she did something that was particularly egregious, I would say to myself, God, if it was my agency, I would do exactly the opposite. So (laughs) after seven years of learning what not to do from what I call my anti-role model, I knew exactly what I wanted to do when we started PT and Company in July of 1990. Now, you have to know, if you remember, that July 1990 was actually the start of the recession of 1991. So within six months, we lost half our billings. Oh, my. (laughs) We all know what happens when an agency loses half their billings, right? They have to cut staff costs accordingly. But since we had just started the agency six months earlier and everybody was an employee owner, that was going to be a really impossible thing to do. So I decided the only way forward was we all take a pay cut equal in, you know, a 50% reduction in, in, in um, uh, staff, staffing costs and that we just 
focus on rebuilding the lost business because eventually the recession would come to to an end and it would be back up to you know business as usual. Well, between January and December of 1991, we actually focused so hard on rebuilding the business and the economy was rallying. That was a short and not so deep recession. We actually grew 100% between January and December 1991. So we were actually right up at the same billings level that we were 18 months earlier when we first started the agency in July of 1990. But you can imagine, because we did not do the typical knee-jerk, let's cut staff, you know, everyone who survived the the storm of the recession knew that we were really committed to one another. And from that foundation, we were able to build the agency. And I always felt very strongly that, you know, this is a community that we have all sacrificed a lot to be a part of. And in trying to build the agency, I knew that we had to distinguish PT and Company from the thousands of other established PR agencies in New York City and the tens of thousands of agencies across the country. And I felt that the the most distinctive thing about who we were was our story of how we became PT and Company and what we did to weather the storm of the recession and what we were committed to doing going forward. And I articulated this in a short uh, phrase, which today would be called a business purpose. So PT and Company's business purpose um, in 1991 was PT and Company is committed to creating great work, a great workplace, and great communities that work. And everyone in in any professional services uh, business, and certainly in PR, understands the important focus first and foremost on creating great work, right? Because that's what attracts and retains top clients. But in order to do that, you need to attract and retain top talent. So you have to create a great workplace in order to produce great work. And finally, top talent has choices, right? And we wanted to be an employer of first choice. So our promise to employees and prospective employees was come to PT and company and help us to create great communities within and beyond our workplace. And so that really resonated, creating great work, a great workplace, and great communities that work really resonated with our internal uh, stakeholders as well as external stakeholders, not just prospective clients, but business partners, you know, our parents, our friends, our, you know, our suppliers. Um, and it was it really resonated. And because our focus was just this, great work, great workplace, great communities that work, we, within eight years, we were named the number one most creative PR agency in the whole country. And at the same time, the number two best place to work among all PR agencies in the country. Now, I don't know that we were the most creative PR agency. I don't know that we were the best workplace, but I do know that we believed it and acted as if. And in fact, we operationalized this business purpose 
with everything from our, you know, our office design, which is an open office that had a living room in the middle and a meditation room because we were an open office. I, I wanted some private space for employees to go and, you know, pray or meditate or take a nap mm-hmm. if they wanted to or just have a time out. To our policies and practices, we actually, in the depths of the recession, introduced a maternity benefits policy because one of our employee owners was pregnant and, you know, she was the sole breadwinner of her family. So we could not have a policy. Um, a few years later, we also added a, a, a parental bonding leave, you know, for, uh, you know, new fathers. Um, and we had uh, policies like, you know, uh, flex time, casual dress, every day, every other Friday off during the summer. And again, the reason for doing this is that I didn't want anyone to have this sinking feeling in the pit of their stomachs on Sunday night. I wanted them to be, you know, excited about coming to work because it was a great place where we where they had other great colleagues and our focus was on creating great work that really made it in impact right in the in the world um so i think that's uh, you know everything kind of evolved organically but again it all started because we had a common focus a common purpose a common business purpose to create great work a great workplace and great communities that work and that's why i'm so bullish about companies, organizations, all knowing, discovering, and articulating a clear business purpose about how they serve all stakeholders and created value for all stakeholders and, frankly, serve the the greater good. If you can do that, you know, then there's a reason for employees and prospective employees to come and work at your place and to help you accomplish what it is that you're trying to do. In the absence of a clear business purpose, you know, every employee is able to interpret, you know, what it is that the agency is trying to do. You do not want that. You know, as PR counselors, we never want our clients' uh, brand or reputation to be determined individually by all of their employees, right? We want them to have a clear focus and to, you know, to, to act on that focus and produce what it is that the organization, you know, is trying to do. So, yeah, I'm all about purpose. And that, in fact, is the focus of Joyful Planet, which is my consultancy that I created after I left the agency world in, in August 2015. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but, you know, yeah. thanks for laying out, you know, the – uh the 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 scenario of really what set your agency apart from from all the others really um you know yeah. i obviously was in business at that time my firm lopes and stevens was up there i guess competing with you uh on on a friendly basis of course and all the other good yeah. agencies out there but uh, you know your your firm really stood out in getting so much attention because of all the things you just described, you know, how you kind of set your uh, agency uh, apart from the others, you know, by uh, changing the concept of workplace to really a second home. Um, 
so much so that you know uh, you, my firm and, and uh, your other competitors felt we had to kind of keep up with you in some way, you know, by adhering to uh, new principles, you know, in 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 what was a workplace to make it a second home, you know, by uh, modifying and and changing and uh, creating new policies to make employees, you know, happy, uh, joyful. Uh, uh, eager to work on a Sunday night, thinking about, you know, the uh, getting back to, you know, to their second home and so on. Uh, you really uh, set a tough example for the rest of us. And this is why, uh, you know, your contribution to the agency world, you know, is, is really second to none, Patrice. Oh, well, thank you. You know, one thing I forgot to mention, aside from operationalizing our business purpose to yeah, everything from office design to our policies and practices, and our culture it also had to do with our choice of clients as well. You know, there are four tobacco manufacturers that we turn down business from because there's no way that we can be an agency that stands for creating great work, a great workplace, and great communities that work. And by that, I meant healthy, sustainable communities. So to work for a tobacco manufacturer, and I don't mean to demonize, you know, that one industry, but I just use it as an illustration. We actually said no to four uh, of these uh, type clients and uh, twice, three times actually, resigned our biggest client because, you know, and this is not something that we wanted to do, but we felt compelled to do. Again, if we were walking the talk and trying to create great work, a great workplace and great communities that work, you cannot work for a client who is abusive to your account team because mm -hmm. that same client, you can't just reassign the account to another team because the client is the same. They're still going to be abusive. At one point, we resigned our biggest client because uh, they took an anti-gay position that we could, uh, that was indefensible and that we couldn't get, you know, in, in no good conscience continue to support them after we help them uh, navigate a crisis. So, yeah, so I'm very proud of that. And, and that was important to do. And each one of those actions, you know, had repercussions for our, for our agency. It's hard to, you know, only uh, represent clients who, who wear the white hat, but to the degree uh, to which we could, that was what we wanted to do, and our employees understood that and and recognized it, and I think that this is what um, kind of prevented them from being lured away by other agencies who are offering, you know, thousands of dollars more in uh, in salary. And that was another thing. I never wanted to be uh, the highest uh, paying employer in the PR industry because if somebody's coming to you for that reason. They're going to leave you for that reason. I wanted people to come to PT and Company because it was a quality of life issue. And because of that, I knew, was going to be more difficult to lure our employees away from us. You know. So anyway, I well, just wanted to add that. Point well taken. Point well taken. And uh, I um, – and I wanted to follow up on uh, the uh, history of your agency uh, because mm -hmm. I know that you and I, in a way, travel the same path. Uh, yeah. You you, know, you uh, merged your firm with the CRT. 
Um, and uh, uh, that obviously was a successful business initiative. And then, of course, you joined forces with uh, Padilla, you know, where I guess, uh, you know, your, your previous uh, agency still resides as you have gone on to other things. Uh, Want to get your view since, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, my role in life now in, in the PR industry is to bring agencies together in terms of uh, uh, acquisitions uh, after I sold my firm, as you did. Uh, I want to get your view on the concept of acquisition and, and merger. What was your reason initially for merging with CRT? You know, uh, two firms with different backgrounds and what have you. You know, you were, I think your firm was more consumer oriented, and I think there's if I recall, was you know more business and corporate oriented. What was your reason at the time for merging with uh, uh, that firm, and uh, uh, what lessons can some of our listeners learn from what you did? Sure. Well, after uh, 2002, after you know the <laughs> dot com boom, bust, 9/11, and the recession, our agency, like many others, were really feeling battered by everything that had been happening in our world. And so uh, we wanted to grow, but I felt that we didn't have, you know, the resources or the energy or the will from, you know, um, our employee owners. And I felt that the best thing to do at that point was to look for an agency uh, a like-minded agency that we respected that might be interested in acquiring us so that together we could form a bigger uh, mid-sized national agency. And actually, over the, the years, we were approached by 15 different agencies to acquire us. And the agency that I was most interested in was Carter Riley Thomas, based in Richmond, Virginia. We'd actually been working with Carter Riley Thomas in an informal kind of uh, collaboration along with three other agencies. We created something called the Lumen Collaborative, and it involved our agency, PT and Company, Peppercom, Padilla Spear Beardsley uh, in Minneapolis, and uh, Payne PR, now Citizen Relations. So the five of us came together in Richmond, Carter Riley Thomas invited us all to Richmond to discuss the idea of possibly working together. And Mark Raper, the CEO of, of Carter Riley Thomas, opened the meeting by saying at Carter Riley Thomas, we believe in the abundance mentality. Now, when I heard him say that, my ears perked up and I looked at him and I thought, okay, I want to do whatever he wants to do, I'm in. So they're the agency that we actually sold to in September 2005. And we were actually similar in that both of us were formed, uh, Carter Riley Thomas and PT and Company, by, um, through a management buyback from a, an advertising agency parent. So we, were, so we, we uh, you know, were both uh, independent uh, agencies owned by the employees involved in the buyback growing our agencies independently until Carter Ronnie Thomas approached us after having worked together with us informally within the Lumen Collaborative uh, to acquire us. And we were actually open to and looking for uh, someone to acquire us. And I just felt that they were 
the right agency for us, even though we all felt we were excited about it and we felt that they were the right agency. It still took a year start to finish until we actually closed on the deal and became CRT Tanaka in uh, September 2005. Carter Riley Thomas acquired PT and Company and we formed CRT Tanaka. And together we grew that agency um, with many of the same um, uh, uh, much of the same focus on creating a workplace uh, community and doing great work for clients. We did we uh, built CRT Tanaka over the next eight years, and then actually sold CRT Tanaka to our former Lumen Collaborative partner, Padilla Spear Beardsley. And again, that was because we knew Lynn Casey and Matt Kaharski uh, from having worked together with them closely as part of the Lumen Collaborative. And so we knew, and they were an employee-owned agency. In fact, they were an ESOP, and we felt that by them acquiring us, we could, CRT Tanaka, we could roll up under their ESOP and formalize employee ownership uh, for all of our employees, um, as it was for the former Padilla Spear Beardsley employees. So in creating Padilla CRT in uh, September uh, 2013, we actually created one of the top 10 largest independent PR agencies in the country and the largest employee-owned PR agency uh, in September 2013. And I think we were all very proud of the fact of, you know, that we did all of that, which is kind of what we set out to do when we first sold PT and Company to Carter Riley Thomas, because Mark Raper, the the CEO then of Carter Riley Thomas, had this idea that we should collab, we should throw it in together. They acquired us and tried to build uh, so that we could create a thirty million dollar agency and ultimately a fifty million dollar agency. That was his vision way back when in September, you know, 2000 and, when did he do this? 2004, when we first started talking with him about this. So, yes, I think uh, the fact that it worked with Padilla uh, Spear Beardsley uh, when we created Padilla CRT, and today they are called Padilla, is that we were like-minded, uh, we were all we all came from being employee owned, and we were focused on you know doing right by our employees and by our clients and the community at large. And in fact, that we were very purpose driven in the way that we served all of these audiences. So I'm very proud of what all of the agencies together accomplish to form Padilla uh, today, today uh, Padilla, which has since been acquired by Avenir Global, which sounds like it's, you know, been yet another exciting chapter in that agency's history. So, Patrice, uh, Padilla turned out to be a very good experience for you. They're obviously uh, one of the top uh, uh, independent firms in the country, and uh, it was a solid one, and it was well-regarded, you know, by the whole PR agency industry. And, uh, you know, uh, I, too, am an old friend of uh, Lynn Casey, you know, who has also been a legend in our, in our industry. And uh, what's a, what was it like working with Lynn? 
well, one, I was really excited that our new agency, Padilla CRT, today it's Padilla, was headed by a, a woman CEO because you know that it's kind of a rarity among larger agencies. So I was very happy that that Lynn was the, the CEO, and she's very strong. She's very lovely, always gracious, um, really smart. Um, so it was all good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to now take us now into uh, virtually the the present. So you've had a very long and yeah. illustrious career in the world of public relations. Um, you then obviously uh, let go of the reins of the uh, of uh, whatever role you were playing in Padilla, which obviously was as a top senior executive there, um, and began to focus on other things. And I know you ran across you know some personal uh, issues in your life. Um, and decided to focus on the concept of of uh, of uh, living a positive life and a joyful life. Could you describe the transition you made from the agency world, you know, into the into ballroom dancing? Uh, oh. uh, I'll let you describe that, and then, of course, into Joyful Planet. Okay, sure. Well, when I decided to leave the agency world after um, we had created. Padilla CRT, and two years later, I, you know, I thought about, well, if I left the PR agency world, what would I want to do? And I looked back over my life and career, and I realized, I did not realize it until I started thinking about this, that the two most important things that I did in my entire career was, one, articulating our business purpose for PT and company, which I mentioned earlier was to create great work, a great workplace, and great communities that work. And the result of that simple articulation of business purpose, obviously we didn't just articulate it, we operationalized you know, that purpose into the organization with the result being you know, named one of the uh, the number one most creative PR agency and the number two best place to work eight years later. Now, I did something similar for my personal life. In 2002, five months after 9-11 and after I had been working with my co-founders to build PT and company over the previous 12 years, I was just totally burnt out. And I went to see an executive coach. One of my colleagues was seeing this wonderful coach, Suzanne Levy, and she was being helped by her. So I went to see, see Suzanne, and Suzanne reassured me that she could help me, but that first I needed to rethink my purpose in life going forward. Now, I was really annoyed when I heard this because I had just finished telling Suzanne I could barely get out of bed in the morning, none the CEO of PT and Company, and I can barely get out of bed. That's not a good thing. And, again, you know, you have to remember this was 12 years of building PT and Company. Uh, I was caring for a husband who had been battling a brain tumor for 16 years, and we were just five months after 9-11. And I have a lot of, you know, obligations to professional and civic organizations. So the sum total of that just set me under. And Suzanne Levy, the coach, was adamant that I come up with a life purpose 
for the rest of my life. So over the next two weeks, I thought about what that might be, came back to her two weeks later, told her that my purpose was informed by the nearly 3,000 people who died on 9-11 in the Twin Towers because I was still reeling, and I know every New Yorker was as well, that these nearly 3,000 people went to work that morning and didn't come home that evening. And I knew that most of those people um, had dreams that they had postponed till sometime in the future, only they didn't have a future. So their lives were cut short, and so were all of the the important things that they were planning to do sometime in the future. I told her I wanted to live my life in such a way that I was not caught short, like those nearly 3,000 people who died in the Twin Towers on 9-11. So I told Suzanne Levy, my coach, that my purpose in life was simply to choose joy in my life every day, to be mindful of that joy, and to share that joy with others. It was a three-part purpose. Choose joy, be mindful of it, and share it with others. And I told her, if I can live my life this way every single day, I think I could be good to go, even if I were one of those people, you know, in the Twin Towers on 9-11. So Suzanne, of course, asked me, so what brings you joy? And I was like, taken aback, because joy was the last thing that my life was about at that time. I said, well, this is an aspirational purpose for my life going forward, because my life at the moment is the opposite of joy. It is unjoy. So, but I would like my life going forward to be more joy-filled. So anyway, we keep talking, and she says, okay, so if nothing is bringing you joy at the moment, name me one thing that has brought you joy in the past. So without even thinking, I blurted out, well, I love to dance. And I was shocked that that was the first thing out of my mouth. But in talking (laughs) with Suzanne, you know, I remember when I was eight years old, my dream was to dance like Ginger Rogers. And it's the reason that I actually (laughs) live in New York City today, because as an eight-year-old growing up in Hawaii, I grew up in all those Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire films, right? And I thought, oh my God, if I could just get myself to New York, I could be dancing at Swank Manhattan Supper Clubs every night, dressed in a long, flowy evening gown, just just like Ginger, and dancing in the arms of Fred Astaire. So that was my, you know, eight-year-old drive to get myself to New York City. And so in, in saying to my coach 42 years later that I love to dance and we Remember, and she discovered that I had not taken a dance lesson since I was eight years old, and I am living in New York. My homework assignment became I had to book myself a dance lesson before our next coaching session in two weeks. So <laughs> a half an hour before my next coaching session in two weeks, I'm calling the Pierre Dulane Dance Studio to book myself a ballroom dance lesson. And that's how it began. I started going once a week to this hour-long dance lesson, really awkward, uncomfortable. But at the same time, this is something I wanted to do since I was eight years old. So it was actually exciting. And so I could feel joy come, come flooding back into my life simply because I was doing something that I wanted to do since I was eight years old. Now, 
I don't want to go through every detail of this, but uh, suffice it to say that taking up ballroom dancing uh, resulted in me taking more ballroom dance lessons, me competing in ballroom competitions, me winning some championships, and then writing a book called Becoming Ginger Rogers, how ballroom <laughs> dancing made me a happier woman, a better partner, and a smarter CEO. And in fact, the lessons that I learned from ballroom dancing helped me to close partner with other uh, mid-sized national agencies to form successively larger agencies, CRT Tanaka and Padilla CRT, and then deciding uh, to leave the PR world and start Joyful Planet, which is focused on helping individuals and organizations discover and actively live their purpose to unleash greater success, fulfillment, and joy in their personal lives, in their workplaces, and, it, you know, in the world. So, and then after starting Joyful Planet, writing two other books focused on life purpose and organizational purpose, and then finding myself with more time to share my joy by supporting organizations like Dancing Classrooms, which uses the vehicle of ballroom dance to unleash social and emotional learning in children and the Girl Scouts of Greater New York, and the Pelo Peppa Train of Hope in South Africa, which is a really great um, little nonprofit that could. It's two 18-car trains that travel throughout South Africa, delivering primary health care to remote regions of the country. So, you know, so all of that happened simply because I, you know, articulated and shared my life purpose to choose joy, to be mindful of that joy, and to share that joy with my coach. So when I look back over my life and career, what I was able to achieve by articulating a business purpose and then articulating my own life purpose and to, to really see firsthand the power of purpose, you know, that's why I decided to start Joyful Planet, Planet because I believe that if every individual and every organization were actively living their purpose, you know, that we could create a more joyful planet. And so that's why I'm very, for me, the work that I'm doing today is not really even work. It's my joy. It's, it's you know, what I think I can contribute uh, to to the world, and it's not just to clients, and I'm happy to do that for corporate clients, but also I just recently got back from this amazing summit um, that Dress for Success did where they invited 100 of their clients, emerging women leaders from 100 sites around the globe, to come together for a four-day, three-night summit where we would deliver more leadership development training for them so they could go back to their communities and develop and execute a community action project to deliver, um, to help other women on their way to economic independence, which is what the mission of Dress for Success is. And so I helped 100 women <laughs> discover and articulate their life purpose and have clarity about the contribution they want to make in their community. So that is as exciting to me as any 
work that I do, you know, for a, you know, a paying client, and that was not a paying client. Um, so everything I do, uh, paid or unpaid, really is, you know, with the idea of what can I do to create a more joyful planet by helping individuals and organizations discover and actively live their purpose. So given the experience, uh, uh, Patrice, that you have gone through, being having been an, uh, an entrepreneur, a PR agency, a CEO, uh, having devoted your time, you know, to supervising uh, teams of people to work with uh, with uh, well-known clients and uh, and get the job done and obviously all the, the pressures and anxieties and uh, uh, and uh, uh, steps that need to be taken to, you know, head up a PR agency and then having gone into a whole different area of, uh, of uh, consultancy, uh, bringing joy to people. What advice would you give to PR agency owners today, people like yourself and like myself, who once founded, uh, you know, agencies and were caught up in the day-to-day of it and, uh, and, and uh, engaged in how to, how to grow the business and how to keep key employees and all of those kinds of, uh, of, of initiatives uh, and balancing the books and uh, making a profit. Uh, what advice would you give to PR agency owners t- today, given the fact that you said that joy was not in, in your vernacular, you know, back then, but became so subsequently. So having gone through what you went through, what advice would you give to PR agency owners who are trying to achieve what you and I achieved? Yeah. Well, as someone in business who co-founded three uh, PR and marketing agencies and now my consultancy, I've always been about, you know, my strengths are creative problem solving and perseverance. I can persevere longer than most people can. And I think that's what's key to, to success, right? Persevering, you know, at all, you know, <laughs> for as long as it takes. Um, but I also believe that the single most powerful and efficient thing that we can do as individuals and as business owners or CEOs uh, is to discover and articulate and actively live our individual life purpose. And of course, to make sure that you've gone through this exercise for your own agency or for your own businesses. If you have not articulated um, your agency or your business's business purpose, you're leaving a lot on the table that <laughs> that you could have simply because you've articulated a concise statement of how your organization is creating value for all stakeholders and contributing to the greater good. So I, my, you know, single best piece of advice after a 40 something year career in PR and now doing what I'm doing uh, as a business and life strategist is to discover and articulate your life purpose as well as the purpose of your business. And here's an offer I'm going to make to your listeners because I'm so um, convinced of the power of purpose, life purpose and organizational purpose. I will be happy to help any of your uh, agency CEOs who have not yet discovered and articulated their life purpose 
to do so at no cost and as a courtesy to you, art students, because I really believe that they, if they are, um, if they have the clarity of their own life purpose as CEOs of their own organizations, that is going to inform the enterprise, their own agencies or their own departments or their own companies. So, you know, anyone who's interested, please email me, patrice at joyfulplanet.com. And it's a fairly efficient because I'm all about what's the most efficient way to deliver the results, right? I uh, developed this 10-question questionnaire, my life purpose instrument, that has 10 open-ended questions. If you answer them as fully as you can and then, you know, uh, write the first iteration of your life purpose statement, send it back to me. I can help you finalize your life purpose statement. And it's amazing the power of an articulated life purpose that you can then use as an affirmation for yourself uh, to focus and drive you to accomplish what matters most to you, as well as to share it with others. Because once you share your purpose with others, you can enlist support for what it is that's most important for you to want to accomplish. And I'll share with you just a few uh, life purpose statements that um, that I've helped clients with. This is from the president of a global professional women's network. She says, my purpose in life is to connect women to their power to help them succeed and invest in their ability to build businesses that positively impact the world. This is from the CEO of a communications firm in Rwanda. She says, my purpose in life is to communicate the exciting stories of transformation taking place in Africa to challenge and inspire Africans to work together to create a brighter future for our continent. And this is from the SVP of HR at a health insurance company. My purpose in life is to help communities bloom one family at a time. So there are all very different life purposes, and and it really speaks to what, you know, who that person is, what matters most, and how they serve others. And there is real power in 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 having a succinctly articulated uh, life purpose statement because it does focus and drive you to accomplish what you say matters most to you. So. I hope your listeners will take me up on this offer because this is part of the way that I contribute to creating a more joyful planet. Well, all I can say, Patrice, is that, you know, when this podcast is aired, um, and it will be within the next few weeks, uh, it will be live and available for our listener uh, to listen to it. Um, uh, I don't see that anybody can refuse your offer. It is an offer that, uh, you know, is is, is a no-brainer. Uh, you've got the experience, you've got the knowledge, and I think you could be of tremendous value to PR agency owners and, and other people out there who are listening in. So thank you very much for your offer. And I've got one last question to ask you before we, we call it an afternoon. Uh, and this has been a lot of fun. And I, I, once again, I thank you for participating. Um, my, my question, my final question is, which I ask all of our, uh, speakers on, on the PR masters podcast series is given all that you've accomplished and where you are today, how, how do you want to be remembered? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I think just simply as, and this is something that I learned from my mother, right? My mother was the most loving, warm, generous person who's very accomplished, had a lot of friends. You know, every all the kids in the neighborhood came to our house because she fed them and hugged them and kissed them, you know, so of course they want to hang out at, at our house. But the thing that she drummed into our heads from when we were little, like me and my siblings, was to share your cookies and toys. I mean, if I think about my mother and, <laughs> and her, the words, her immortal words, it would be share your cookies and toys. And in fact, I think that I would like that on my tombstone. She, Patrice Tanaka is a woman who shared her cookies and toys. My mom would be proud. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, Patrice Tanaka, my dear friend and uh, legend in our industry, on behalf of our listeners of the PR Masters uh, series, I'd like to thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, our conversation was really a lot of fun. Um, it was like you and I sitting around a, a lunch table just uh, you know, sharing thoughts and obviously my gaining insight into your world and what you're doing today. And I think what you're doing is just simply wonderful, and you are truly contributing once again, as you always have, to the betterment of our society. And I say this fondly and with a great deal of respect. Um, so thank you, Patrice. And I'd like to thank you all for tuning into another of the Stevens Group PR Masters podcast series. So until next time, I am Art Stevens, wishing you all the very best. And once again, thank you so much, Patrice Tanaka. Thank you and aloha, everyone.